Welcome, everybody, to this edition of the Pac-Man Podcast, Patriotic American Citizen. I'm Ted Flint, and we begin with this business of the government shutting down. We are told by the media that if the government were to shut down, the, the, the end of the world would come. American life as we know it would cease. And I don't know how many times I've been through this in my lifetime. Back in 85, under Reagan, same kind of deal. The government shut down. Oh, what would happen if the government shuts down? A decade later, during Bill Clinton's administration, the first administration, same deal happened. 02, 03, 2011, 2013, 2014, 2015. Every year it's the same thing. And we got a warning this week from Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen. She said, in a matter of days, millions of Americans could be strapped for cash. Nearly 50 million seniors could stop receiving Social Security checks. Troops could go unpaid. Millions of families who rely on the monthly child tax credit could see delays. What? Now, that's troublesome. No, I mean, seriously, I mean, this, is, this has been going on for, for decades. Nothing's going to happen. If the government shuts down, it shuts down. It'll be a day or a week. It won't be long because federal employees are not going to go that long without pay. Most of them are Democrats, and they'll put pressure on the Democrats in Washington, and Democrats are running things right now. You know, Dr. Ron Paul, I miss Ron Paul. He was a great congressman, 30 years, 30-some-odd years in the House, and he wrote during the uh, debt ceiling battle in 2013 that a failure to increase government's borrowing authority would not lead to a default any more than an individual's failure to get a credit card limit increase would mean they would have to declare bankruptcy. Instead, the failure of either an individual or a government to obtain new borrowing authority would force the individual, or in this case the government, to live within its means. Is that a bad thing? It would force the government to finally reduce their spending. Most people would find that irresponsible. Most people just don't want to see the government reduce spending. It's politically difficult for, for congressmen and senators to say, yeah, I'm going to cut the budget. Well, what part of the budget are you going to cut? Well, we're going to have to cut maybe Social Security benefits. Well, you know, the elderly wouldn't like that. All right, we'll have to cut Medicaid. We'll have to cut back on some social services. Nobody wants to see anything cut, so nothing is ever cut. It's that simple. But I'm tired of hearing about it. The media it tries to scare the living daylights out of us, and, uh, and a lot of people you know, fall for it. Speaking of numbers in this uh, this budget battle, I read today that Joe Manchin, the West Virginia senator, says that a trillion and a half is his top line spending number for reconciliation. A trillion and a half. Now, we're hearing all kinds of numbers. Three and a half trillion, 1.2 trillion, six trillion, I think they started out with. Some of the Marxists in the party, which the Democratic Party, which is most of them, he said a trillion and a half is as, as high as he'll go. Well, we'll see what happens. On to uh, COVID. CDC Director Rochelle Walensky has chosen to ignore the recommendations of her own panel of so-called experts, medical professional experts, that booster shots were not necessary for the vast majority of the population. So she has sided with the, the vax manufacturers and, and endorsed boosters. I'm not getting a booster under no circumstances unless I choose to. It's going to be my choice. I got the first two. I'm not going to get any more. And you know, you know who benefits from this is Big Pharma. I'm not going to beat up on Big Pharma. They're an easy, they're an easy target. What about the science? It's all about politics. And speaking of COVID, we know a lot more about COVID now than we did a year and a half ago. 
I was reading this week, and this is from WorldNet Daily, and they quote CDC numbers. Since COVID landed on our shores, 95% of the dead in this country have been 50 years of age or older. Nearly 80% of the dead, 65 or older. And not only are they heavily vaccinated, but they make up only 16% of the population. Two-thirds of the American population, 64.5% to be exact, are under the age of 50. They got a 5% chance of dying. The risk to young people, uh, especially death to young people, is infinitesimal. It's basically in 2021, the COVID is the flu. It wasn't the flu last year for sure. This year, it's going to be like the flu. But we hear all these uh, you know, scare stories about the Delta variant and how contagious, how easily contagious it is. You know, even the teachers in, I was reading in New York City, some of the uh, teachers in the city and other Department of Education staffers were mandated to take the vaccine by city authorities. De Blasio says, that's it, you've got to take this. The mandate was supposed to take effect Monday of this week, but was temporarily blocked by a federal judge. However, a federal appeals panel ruled in favor of the mandate before the mandate was scheduled to begin. So even the teachers, and I would think a lot of the teachers would be vaccinated anyway, but some in New York City are are fighting this thing. There are billboards in Albany, of all places, you know, deep blue Albany, billboards saying, uh, I'm pro-choice. I, I'm against vaccine mandates. I think a lot of people are. And I think you're going to see, there was a, a rally in New York City, and the Epic Times covered this, and they talked to a couple of people who say the movement is growing. Numbers of people are, the numbers keep going up. And one of the organizers told the Epic Times it's going to continue to grow because there are people who are willing to lose their livelihoods in order to keep their freedom. And that's what really this comes down to. I mean, I, I've, I've gotten my shots. I think the shots, for the most part, are safe and they are effective. But they shouldn't be forced on people. As I've said before, I don't know how many different ways you can say this. And when you have people in New York City fighting the mandate. These are not, there are not a lot of conservative Republicans in New York City. And it's not just about health. It's about control. It's about surveillance. And it's about tyranny. And a lot of people, and I'm not sure I'm on board with this yet, but a lot of people are saying this is about restructuring our entire economy, our health system, our education, uh, educational system. That may be. But Instagram and YouTube are shutting people down. People who have any kind of qualms about getting the vaccine, if they have, you know, contrary information about vaccines, they're getting shut down. That's ominous, I think. This one group I'm reading here now from the uh, Epic Times, they had 17,000 people following them and their account got shut down. And now you got Kathy Hochul, the new governor, saying that New York State may have to use National Guard members to replace healthcare workers who haven't taken the COVID-19 vaccine. A year ago, Remember the, the, the healthcare workers were touted as heroes? Now, a year later, they're, they're goats for not getting vaccinated. I mean, which is it? Are they heroes or are they, uh, are they not heroes? The government wants to force everybody into getting vaccinated. What about natural immunity? I'm not going to spend the, I, I say this every show I do. I'm not going to spend the entire show on COVID, but it, I mean, it's the issue. You know, there was a, I'll, I'll harken back. I'm thinking of a story that I read recently where this uh, opera singer, uh, her last name, Lisa Eden was her name, is her name, award-winning opera singer. And she suffered from a vaccine injury, you know, over two decades ago. And she said that she has a bona fide medical exemption from a licensed physician from New York 
and can't get the vaccine based on her previous medical condition. But the officials in charge of the opera house, where or the opera houses where she sings, and also the unions didn't take that into consideration. They dismissed it. They dismissed her her uh, exemption as out of hand. They said, "But well, we're not going to accept it." Now you don't find many opera singers who are conspiracy theorists, but this is the kind of mess that's going on over this. There's an agenda for sure. All right, let's uh, talk a little bit. Speak. I wanted one more COVID story here. I'm sure you heard about this. Uh, Kathy Hochul, the governor of uh, New York, as I mentioned, she said something this week. I don't have the audio. I had it, but I can't find it now. But she claims to have divine insight into what God thinks. Now, this how can an anti-God politician, somebody referred to her as a God-hater. I'm not going to go there. I don't know if she hates God or not, but she is. she's a would-be dictator like any Democrat. She's telling people God loves the vaccine and wants every person to take the shot. She's claiming to know what God wants. I don't even think she knows God. She knows of him, but I'm not sure she knows him personally. But how can she know and understand the sovereign will of the Lord Almighty? I'll read you her direct quote here. She stated that, yes, I know you're vaccinated. You're the smart ones. But, you know, there are people out there who aren't listening to God and what God wants. You know, this, you know, you know who they are. This is a direct quote. And she's our governor. According to God's spokesman, people without the shot are ignorant and not listening to God. That's what she means. You know, the Trump supporters, many of them. So she's nuts. She goes on to try and set herself up as some kind of a demigod by mentioning those who have been vaccinated. That She called them her, her apostles. She went on to say, I need you to go out and talk about it and say, we owe this to each other. We love each other. Jesus taught us to love one another. And how do you show that love but to care about each other? Care enough to say, please get vaccinated because I love you. I want you to live. When I heard this comment, when I heard her going on about this, it's like, you got to be kidding me. These people, for them, this COVID vaccine or the vaccines and the masking, the whole, the whole nine yards, it's their new religion. The pandemic and the vaccines have become a religion, another one. For these liberals, I thought it was extreme environmentalism. That's one of their religions. Environmentalism, now the pandemic. They want to force people. That doesn't show love. They want to force people to convert to their new religion. Well, I'm not going to do it. These people are running government at all levels. Kathy Hochul is the uh, top executive here in New York State. They're fanatics calling people who are vaccinated her apostles. Anyway, uh, let's see what else is happening here. Oh, crime is up. I wrote a column on this uh, today. It's at thebmgnetwork.com. And, you know, this, this movement of uh, defund the police, the big defund the police movement on the, on the back of the, uh, the Black Lives Matter protests and the Antifa protests of last summer. Now, there, now we find some federal crime statistics that show the murder rate is, has skyrocketed. Murder rate up nearly 30% in 2020, more than any other time in the last half century. Stats released by the Federal Bureau of Investigation. The report shows there were 4,901 more murders committed last year than there were in 2019, the largest single increase since 1960. Again, I'm not going to bore you with a bunch of numbers, but they break it down, this piece here by uh, Jarrett Stepman in the Daily Signal. And the left is blaming, you know, they blame guns. The proliferation of guns in the hands of, you know, people like you and me. 
private citizens, law-abiding citizens. That's the reason for the increase in crime. No, it isn't. Then they blame the pandemic for the increase in murders. Any given weekend in Chicago or Detroit or Baltimore, these young black kids are shooting each other up. It's like the Wild West. Those are the reasons, yeah, the proliferation of illegal guns in the wrong hands. Now, violent crime, until recently, had been falling for decades. Gun ownership in America continues to rise. Everybody, so many Americans own firearms for their own protection because they realize in many of these cities that cops aren't going to do the, they're, they're, the cops' hands are being tied by the uh, left-wing governments in these cities, Portland and Seattle and some of these other cities. This all started back when George Floyd was, was killed at the hands of police in Minneapolis. So, I mean, there's the, uh, there's the Minneapolis effect, as somebody termed it. I mean, Floyd's death and a lot after that, a lot of cities hopped on board the uh, defund the police movement. And we see this. We see violent crime in all these cities on the rise. I mentioned uh, Baltimore and Seattle and Chicago, Portland, Minneapolis, Los Angeles. I mean, uh, millions of dollars from these budgets in these cities that are, were supposed to go to their police departments have been earmarked for other other uh, social services. And we see the, the results of it. That's the main reason for the increase in crime. And most of it is black on black. That hasn't changed in, in decades either. But you're not going to hear that. One more story here. We got to run. Uh, Larry Elder, one of the best talk show hosts in the country. And I guess he's going to resume his show, I think, October 17th or 18th. He's been on hiatus as he's been running for governor, the recall election to recall Gavin Newsom. He came up short and uh, I, he's such an entertaining talk show host, informative, entertaining, as any good talk show host should be. And he's written a column here for WorldNet Daily uh, talking about his experience running for governor. And he, at one point, the odds of uh, Newsom getting recalled looked about 50-50. And then it was at that point that Newsom got panicky and he sent out a mayday call to Hollywood and the Democratic bigwigs. And that's when Barack Obama stepped in and Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg. Three weeks before the date of the recall vote, this according to The Hollywood Reporter, this was the headline in The Hollywood Reporter. Facing recall, Gavin Newsom calls on Hollywood Dems. Help! So Newsom aides have reached out to several prominent celebrities, including Snoop Dogg, urging the rapper to tweet to his 19-plus million followers his disapproval of uh, Larry Elder, who is a black radio talk show host. Now, he's a shrewd political analyst, isn't he? Snoop Dogg. He knows so much about politics. And he talked about a Republican takeover and how that would threaten California more than rising crime and the rising cost of living and high income tax rates. Highest in the nation, by the way. And, uh, you know, rolling brownouts and, uh, all, you know, there's just and more people are leaving California than in any time in its history. The first time in its history, California has suffered a net loss in population. So Larry Elder wanted to change all that. And then, uh, Obama and Snoop Dogg got involved and put an end to that. And, and, you know, Larry Elder came up a little short, but he's going to resume his talk show. That's the good news. All right. That's about all we have time for. Thank you very much, folks, for tuning in. Before we go, I just want to mention that uh, the Yankees and Red Sox are neck and neck. They are, I guess, vying for that final playoff spot. What do you call it? Wild card spot. And the Yankees were two games up with five games. The Yankees are now one game up on Boston, four games left to play for each team. And this is a, one of the craziest finishes since 1977. Toronto is going to win the division, but the Yankees and Red Sox looking for the wild card berth. 
and the Yankees again are a game up. At least they were before I recorded this uh, this program. Hopefully they're two games up after tonight, but we'll find out. Thank you very much, folks, for letting me rattle on here. If you want to go to the bmgnetwork.com, you can check out some really fine programming. The Ken Burns Show. Ken put a show up there this week. Excellent program. He's going to have on Wayne Allen Root, talk show host and former libertarian presidential candidate. I think he ran back in 08, did Wayne Root. So he's going to be on Ken's show, I think, in a week or so. Uh, Mike Hansen's got a show, Mike Up, Kristen Coons with Set Apart. She does a fine job, and she focuses really in-depth on this uh, pandemic and the vaccines. Kristen Coons and, of course, Adrian Ross, our newest addition. And so, so many other fine shows. Check it out, the bmgnetwork.com. And, of course, this one, the Pac-Man podcast with me, Ted Flint. And if you want to read a, a what I think is a pretty decent column, go to the Pac Perspective. That, again, on the BMG Network. And that's a brand new edition for you. And we, uh, we write about the, the crime statistics from the FBI. And it's trending in the wrong direction, unfortunately. That's all we have time for. And uh, thank you very much for tuning us in. We'll do the, uh, the normal show, the regular show for you on Wednesday. If the good Lord wills it, we will talk to you then. Take care. The Pac-Man Podcast was produced and edited in the BMG studio. Music by Kevin McLeod. For more episodes of the Pac-Man Podcast, go to the bmgnetwork.com or go to the BMG Network on Facebook. And be sure to tune in to the next episode of the Pac-Man Podcast with Ted Flitt.